the message we're going to do now is almost the opposite message to what we were learning in Strive for Truth. I have to work that out as well, myself, but it is that way. Okay, we're in the Parsha of um, Peshalach, and in the Parsha of Peshalach, we're dealing, amongst other things, with the uh, Kriyat Yamsuf. Okay? Um, to give you a bit of background, we, we had, and this is something we don't discuss when we're kids, we're not really taught this when we're kids, um, because when, when, at least when I was a kid, I, I was taught uh, that Moshe went to Pharaoh, and he said, let my people go. But that's not what he said, actually. Moshe, when he went to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go to the wilderness so we can serve our God and then come back. That's what Moshe said. He didn't say anything about going and not coming back. So the truth is that when Amisar left Mitzrayim, they left with a delegation of Egyptians, a number of Egyptians representatives of Pharaoh. And when we didn't turn around after three days and come back, they went to tell Pharaoh they're not coming back. And God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and, uh, and Pharaoh chased us until we reached this situation where we, in front of us is Yamsuf, and behind us is an Egyptian army. And uh, we discussed a bit about that last week. I mentioned that the 600 men on chariots chasing Am Israel who are in the slave mentality, um, and uh, they don't know what to do. Four means going into the water, and in fact the Midrash talks about four different opinions that existed at Kriyat Yamsuf. There were those who just wanted to commit suicide, jump into the water and die, those who wanted to pray, those who wanted to fight the Egyptians, and those who just wanted to go back to Egypt and, uh, and go back to the way it was. I'm not going to speak about that. I want to speak about this moment, and one other thing I would like to add, if you, we have two prakim here that deal with Kriyat Yamsuf. Uh, very similar to the two prakim in Shoftim that deal with, with Dovorah and Barak. The first pereg, which is pereg Yudalad, describes Kriyat Yamsuf in the narrative, as Kriyat Yamsuf happened. The second is Shirat Hayam. Right? It's Shirat Hayam, it's, it's the song that, that Az Yashir Moshe of and this Shabbat is called Shabbat Shira, and it's falling right next to Tu Mishvah, actually Tu Mishvah will be Sunday night, but, it, but, it, but it's Shabbat Shira, um, and of course, the information we get in Perek Tetvav, which is the Shira, complements the, the information we have in Perek Yudalad, which is the narrative. If we look at the narrative carefully, we, we, we learn certain things here that we might not have imagined when we were learning about Kriyat Yamsuf in our lives, uh, in our younger lives. In the, the, we weren't dealing with a situation where, you know, like the, imagine the Kineret, you walk towards the Kineret, and it's a very still water, and you just walk into the water and it's very calm and, and, and warm and, and quite pleasant. There was a storm taking place. There was a storm, a storm at sea. If you've ever seen a storm at sea from a distance, it's a very scary thing. Water like fire, when it's out of control, is very, very powerful and very destructive. And, uh, and that's the situation that I still were, were expecting. I have a spare here. This is, that, that was the situation that Am Yisrael were, were expected to, to walk into the water. But it wasn't calm seas, right? And, and it wasn't just men between the age of 20 and 60. We're talking about women with babies, old men, old women, are expected to walk into a raging storm. And that's what I want to deal with today. We have a situation where Moshe is standing there, and praying to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. at least that's what the Pasuk seems to imply, that Moshe is praying to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, Why are you shouting? Speak to the people and move. And the shout seems to be here, that Moshe was davening, and our Kodesh Baruch Hu says to him, Stop davening, get on with it. Stop davening, get on with it. Walk into the water. So see what Rashi says. We learn from him that Moshe was davening. Moshe was davening, you know. He was saying, save us, you know, save us. But Amalo Akadosh Baruch Hu lo eita tal arich betfilah shi'zelmetunim betzara. What a peculiar statement. When Israel is in trouble, this is not the time to pray. When is the time to pray? 
we've always been taught that that is the time to pray when we're in trouble, right? But that's what Rashi says. When Israel are in trouble, this is not the time to pray. Dabar acher, another opinion is, Mati tzakelai, hadabar talui velo anechad. Why are you shouting, alai hadabar talui? I will deal with it. Not you. You don't have to deal with the situation. I will deal with the situation. All they have to do is walk into the water. The, the water will not stand in their way. The, the faith they have in me is enough in order for the sea to split. So Rashi's initial comment is a strange comment. I mean, we've been taught since we were this high to, to pray to God. And in this eight Sarah, HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe, shut up, be quiet. Get into the water. This isn't the time for doubling. So we have a number of comments here, and, and, and we will reach, I think, something very ekroni. Uh, the Ramban says, and the Ramban beforehand has brought a different shital that we're going to bring afterwards in the Abarbanel. But he says, I think that what the rabbis say is true, that, that Moshe was davening. He was davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He didn't know what to do. Even though God had told him, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's hand and he's going to follow, he's going to follow you into the water. He didn't know what to do. Know what to do, where am I to do, and how am I to do it? Because he's standing at the border of the water with old men, old women, little children, and the uh, and the Rodev, the pursuer, the Egyptian, is chasing after him. And he, and, and he was praying to God, Show me the way, show me the way, I don't know what to do. This God says to him, don't scream now. You should have asked what to do, but don't stop praying stump to me. Because I told you Pharaoh, I already told you Pharaoh would chase after you. So the Ramban only strengthens Rashi's comment and says, Moshe was doubling to God, and God says, this isn't the time to double. The Abarbanel says something very different, and the Abarbanel, I think, says exactly the same as the Ibn Ezra. But we'll say it, the Abarbanel is a bit more uh, elaborate. He says, I don't agree with the Ramban, I don't agree with Rashi that Moshe was doubting. He wasn't doubting, God would tell Moshe to be quiet from doubting. That wasn't what was happening. What was happening, it's going to tell us the Abarbanel, is that there was an enormous argument taking place between the people of Moshe. The people in the Psukim, you have a look afterwards, the people in the Psukim beforehand were complaining to Moshe. With no graves in Egypt, that you shred us out here to die in the Midbar. And Moshe was arguing back. Moshe said, what are you talking about? Hashem Rachamim, Hashem has mercy, Hashem will save us. There was a theological debate taking place between Moshe and the people. There is no time to debate with Am Yisrael about what's right and what's wrong. Don't get into an argument with Am Yisrael. You don't have to defend me in front of them either. This isn't the time. It's not the time to have a theological debate. And it's not for you to announce at this moment when they're about to be attacked. Don't stop arguing with them about who's right and why God is doing what God is doing. That's not the time. Meaning, why are you shouting in my defense? It's a totally different interpretation to that of Rashi and the Ramban. Rashi and the Ramban are saying, well, she was praying and I said, it's not the time for prayer. The Barbanel and the Ebenezer say, no, he wasn't praying. He was, he was defending God and God's justice in front of the people. And Akash Baruch said, don't do that now. I don't need you to defend me now. Rotzel, Oma, Lama Tatsu'eikum, Erim Kolot Ba'avori, Betoch Achacha, 
Imahem of Amrachai Chatsur Ushabahu Zainam Nasin Tabea Banay Sebai Sam. Because while you're arguing them, they're, they're not doing anything. On the contrary, speak to the people and travel into the water. These are two very opposite, I think they're probably the two only, only two options that we have to discuss who was shouting and what they were shouting. Either Moshe was praying towards God and God says, this isn't the time to pray, or Moshe was defending God and God says, this isn't the time to defend. Either way, he tells Moshe to be quiet. We move now, I, w- I want to follow Rashi's interpretation more. I don't want to discuss so much the above, but now it's interpretation that there was a discussion taking place between Moshe and the people which had to stop. But the Moshe was praying and he was told to stop praying. And, and, and to see th- some things here which I think are, are mind-blowing, it, it probably won't take me as long as, as normal, but, but they're really some mind-blowing ideas, here. A, lo- a lot to, to digest. Start with the Nefesh HaChayim. The Nefesh HaChayim is Rebchami Velozhin. Right? Rebchami Velozhin was the Talmud Mufak of the Grab, the Vilna Gaon. Uh, and uh, Nefesh HaChayim is, 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 is a book on Machshava. Uh, it's a very, very important book. And he says in, the, in, in Shar Aleph, Peret Tet, he, he, he's explaining the effect. He explains very, very high ideas that are hard for us to understand. He's explaining the effect that, that our actions on earth have in Shamayim. It's a shita that the Nefesh Shacham speaks about a lot, how what we do down here affects the heavens, and then in turn comes back to affect this world. So see what he writes. Shahit chabuto itbarach kaviachol laholamot vakochot kulam vachol sidrei bit kashrut. Vachei kol sidrei hanhagatoi barach itanu. I want to talk about the, the connection between God and this world. The Nefesh Achaim says that what, what happens in heaven is a direct result of what we're doing down here. And this isn't a vault, right? This is Nefesh Achaim. It's not, it's not a, a little Dvar Torah. It's a, Nefesh Achaim is fundamental Torah. Okay, so he says, what we're doing down here directly affects Shamayim. And, and then in return, after we have caused ripples in heaven, those ripples will then come back down to earth and affect things in this world. I won't go into the Kruvim now. Next slide. Okay, next slide. Sorry. So at the time of Kriyat Yamsuf, we'll see why this is connected and connected to Rashi as well. At the time of Kriyat Yamsuf, God says to Moshe, Why are you screaming? Why are you dudgling? Do something else. Do something. Walk into the water. That prayer isn't going to work now. What's going to work now is action. People need to do something. If they do something, it's going to save them. If they have faith and trust, they walk into the water, from that faith that they show when they walk in the water, it will reflect ripples in Shamayim. God will then in turn split the sea. The Nefesh Achayim is saying, that there is something above and beyond tefillah. Don't govern now. Do something. Do something. Walk into the water. If you walk into the water, into a storm, remember I told you it was a storm, and you walk up to your neck into the water, that will cause ripples in Shamayim, which will in turn come back to this earth and split the sea. If you show your faith through action, you do something. Something that, that, that reflects that you really believe what you're doing. I don't know whether you remember this, but I, I, I spoke about this theme much earlier on in the year. I spoke about this theme when I was talking about Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. And I spoke about the fact that on Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is tefillah. It's totally about tefillah. The day is a Yom Tefillah from beginning to end. Everything we can possibly do, every song we can possibly sing, every dance we can possibly dance, and we're little chassidim, we, we do on, on Yom Kippur to, to, to try and 
change any bad things that might be having to, to try and effect. However, think about the Nefesh HaChaim. I think about Sukkot. Because we do something incredible on Sukkot. Because what, what I said to you then was, it, it wasn't in Shir Klali, I think. I think it was in another Shir. I think it might have been in the Silat Shaim or Strife for Truth. Uh, on Rosh Hashanah, you accept God as a king. On Yom Kippur, you pray to God as a king. What do you do on Sukkot? Put your money where your mouth is. You believe he's a king, sleep outside. You believe he's a king, I want to see you sleep outside. I don't know whether I told you this. I had, I had this experience once. I can't remember what I told you. You might have forgotten, but it's, I don't know. When we first built our house, when my wife first built our house uh, in, in Aron Shfut, so we were one of the first houses built, because my wife is very, is very enthusiastic, and uh, we were outside the Yeshuv. So every night they used to lock the gates of the Yeshuv, and we were on the outside. Just us and another family. Not Jeremy. Jeremy wasn't there. It was just us and another family. And he was in, inside the issue. And so we were out there on our own. Happens that I built a sukkah. And we went on a teal. When I came back, my sukkah had been destroyed by Arabs. It had been, it had been axed down, knocked down, destroyed. So I got back 3, 4 in the afternoon and I, I rebuilt the sukkah. Now there's a halacha in sukkahs that people don't know very well. The halacha says that if you're too scared to sleep in your sukkah, it's not a kosher sukkah to eat in either. I mean, you have to be prepared to sleep in your sukkah. If you're not prepared to sleep in your sukkah because you're scared of people, then eating there is not a sukkah. It doesn't count as a sukkah. The sukkah has to reflect your faith in HaKadosh Baruch So if I'm too scared to sleep there at night, then it doesn't count for eating in either. So it's a, I never knew that halacha, right? So having rebuilt the sukkah, which my friends thought was very funny, but for acquaintances, don't want you to get the wrong idea, my acquaintances thought was very funny because they used to sing Harachaman Huyakim et Sukkah David Hanofelet, that God would rebuild David's sukkah that had fallen. I actually rebuilt it, but I had to sleep in that sukkah that night in the knowledge that I was outside the Yeshuv, in the knowledge that earlier in the day, uh, vandals had knocked down the sukkah and maybe they'd come and knock it down with me inside next time and me or there. And then I understood this nefesh achanim, meaning it's one madrega on Yom Kippur to pray to God. Let's see you do something. Let's see you do something. Show your faith. Show your belief. Sit outside. Lie outside, you know. Hey, it could be cats, could be dogs, could be mosquitoes, could be could be terrorists, whatever it is. Sleep outside. And you said you believed in me. You called me Melech. You called me Melech a hundred times on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Sleep outside. I want to see you outside. And this is what the Nefesh Achayim is saying. It says, I don't want any more davening. There's something which is greater than davening. There's something that's greater than davening. And that's belief in God. And the belief is shown by the way you behave. Your belief and trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now this theme that we see in the Nefesh Achayim, it's not just in the Nefesh Achayim. Go over the page. Remarkable. Ladies, you know what happened when I was preparing Shir on Friday morning? I prepared the Shir. I was very excited about the Shir. And then as I, I, I looked in my notes and realized that I prepared the exact same Shir a number of years ago. So I scrapped it. I had to prepare another Shir. Uh, and so on Shabbos morning I was learning. So I, I, I started preparing this Shir on Shabbos morning and got very excited by some of the sources I saw. And then I saw, I've done some of these sources before, but not all of these sources. I've never done all these sources. So the Orachim is saying, Matin Sakhilai, don't daven now, because there's something greater than davening. If you walk into the sea, I'm telling you, you walk into the sea, this storm, you walk in, you'll be your neck high in, in, in sea storm, God will split it. It will cause reactions in Shamaim, says Orachim. Shamaim will then come down and split the sea. That's, your, that, that, that's a Nefesh Achayim. Have a look at the Orachim HaKadosh. The Orachim says exactly the same, but in a very, very different way. I want to explain as follows, says the It says in the Midrash, in Shemot Rabbah, that we were in a terrible predicament at that time. Am Yisrael was in a lot of danger. Because whenever we're, in, whenever we're walking through something dangerous, God is looking at whether we deserve to be saved or not to be saved. At that minute, she Yisrael Hayun Tunim Badin. 
Ma'inu afeinu, right? The Midrash says that the, the, the Malachi Asher was te were telling God, why, why are you going to save the Jews and kill the Egyptians? They're both idolaters, right? The Jewish people were idolaters as well at that stage. They hadn't been Makabel Torah. So, Elu the Elu of Deavotazara, why are you going to save those instead of those? It's, it's, there's din going on in Shomayim. At that moment, as we're, as we're standing by the sea, that the Malachi Asher to say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they don't deserve to be saved. And we know that Rachamim will only be din, mercy will only be judgment if we do good things. Then we can invoke mercy. When we do good stuff down here, this gives Rachamim the koach to override din. You with me, right? There's din going on in Shemaim. We don't deserve it. If we do good stuff, then Rachamim gets a, a, an infusion, and the Rachamim has the power to overcome din in Shemaim. And, and obviously the opposite would remove. If we do bad things and there's Midah Hadin going on, then we're not going to have a chance. That's what the Pasuk says. HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw at that moment, just before Kriyat Yamsuf, that Midah Hadin was winning. God wanted the Jews to be righteous. But we didn't have enough good will to invoke Midah HaRachamin. So says Yorachan, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, don't daven now. Because it's not going to help you. Davening isn't going to beat Midat Hadin. To beat Midat Hadin, you need Rachamim. To get Rachamim, you need to do stuff. Not pray, you need to do stuff. Perush ki ein hadavat tanui biyadi hagam shani chafez asot neis ki vashen ein amruim Midat Hadin. God is saying, listen to this Orachan, God is saying, I can't do anything at the moment. Because Midat Hadin just is said that they should be killed at Yamsuf. And prayer isn't going to change Midat Hadin. The only thing that's going to change Midat Hadin is Rachamim. How do I invoke Rachamim? By doing something. So God gives Moshe an Eitzah. He says, stop davening. Stop davening. Davening isn't going to work now. You want to beat me that Hadin, tell the people to walk into the water. If they walk into the water, if they believe what they're going to do, and they walk into the water in the storm, and they show their faith in that Kodesh Brother, that's the only reason you would go, unless you're a Meshuggah, right? There's no reason you're going to walk into this water where the storm's blowing. You don't have to swim. I don't think they don't have to swim in Egypt, right? So you're going to walk into the water, and that says it has to be a Munah. You do that, Midat HaRachamim will be Midat HaDin. But Dhamming isn't going to help now. You need Midat HaRachamim to get Midat HaRachamim. You have to do. You have to do. I will, I will create a nice then, and the Rachamim will, will happen. Exactly what Nefesh Achayim said. By doing something good, you will get the Rachamim that will in turn split the sea. And, and, and the faith and trust that you show by doing that action, that will split the sea. And, and you'll see that's exactly what happened. And according to the most famous Midrash that we know, the first one that went in was Nachshon ben Aminadav. He went up to his throat in the water. Until he said, Until he said, I'm going to drown. And then the water split. Now you understand the Psukim. What's happening in the Psukim is Moshe thinks, I need to pray. God says, no, no, I'll teach you something here, Moshe. There is a time that prayer isn't enough. Prayer isn't enough when Midah Hadin is winning. If Midah Hadin is winning, we need to do stuff. We need to do stuff. You have to show your emunah, you have to show your bitachon, and you can only do that by doing it, by, by, by showing that you believe. Exactly the same comment. That's what Rav Meidan says. Three very, very different uh, parashamiyot. Rav Meidan is one of the Rashi Yeshiva, the Gush now. Uh, and he, in his book, writes as follows. Uh, he writes it for Derech Agav, by the way. He's just, he's just telling it. Uh, but he, he does say the same as the Nefesh Acham and the, uh, 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 the Orachah Makadosh. He says, 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 He says
we can see by the developing situation that what is expected of us is to walk into the sea before it splits. So who's going to go first, God or me? We keep saying, God, we want Mashiach now, right? This is a famous Midrash, right? When we're saying, Hashivein Hashem Elechad, God come to us, and God is saying, Shuvu Elai Bashuvu Elechem, you come to me first. No, you first. You have to go first. But Pashtut Olem Mikan Shayah Lehem Likanesim Neshehem Tapam Behem Tamro Chusham Otochamayim. The Pshad of the Psukim is that the all of our Messiah is meant to walk into the water without any, any indication at the moment that it's going to split. Only afterwards will the, split be, will the sea be split. What, what, what does that teach us? He adds a different, a different perspective here. But it's a, it's a very important perspective. The nature of a nace of Bekiat Hayam Darash Mibnesel Lematsot Techila et Kol Yechotam Lehimaratamim Habitsrim. Rabbi Dan fixes a clow here that a nace will only occur when we have done everything we could possibly do within the limitations of human ability. When a human has done everything that they can do, then God will intervene with supernatural things, but not before. Not before. The expectation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu has of us is that we're going to do absolutely everything that we can do, and then he will help. But he's not going to have us sit back and just say, uh, can I have an ace, please? I, I need an ace. I need you to do it for me. That's not why we were created. We have to do everything we could possibly do to escape the Egyptians. Only after we have done everything that is physically possible to escape the Egyptians, only then. He's saying it very differently to the Nefesh Achaim. The Nefesh Achaim was talking mystic, right? He was saying, I do something here, it reverberates into Shaman, which then in turn comes back here and it splits the Yam. Uh, Rav, Rav uh, Meidan is talking in a much more practical manner. He's simply saying, God will not evoke a miracle until I have done everything I can do here. God expects a human being, Lehishtadel. He expects a human being to try, to try their best, to do everything they can, and then they'll be siyata dishmaya. But God wants to see, like any loving parent would want their child, you want to see your child do something, right? You want to see your child do something before you're not going to do it. Doing it for your child is an education. It's ruination. You're ruining your child if you do everything for your child. If every time they have a battle, you fight it for them. If every time they need something, you do it for them. It's not education. You're disabling them. You're handicapping them. Every parent wants to see their child try as, far, as hard as they possibly can. And then right at the end, if you need an extra touch from me, so I'll, so I'll, give, you an extra, I'll give you an extra push. Says from here we learn it's not correct for a Jewish person to to try and try and evoke God's involvement immediately. God's expectation is that we try first. Is that we initiate. We don't we don't just turn to God. So we initiate something, we try everything we possibly can. Until a person has totally used all of his efforts to, to do what he has to do, God will not get involved. That's what Avram did. It also is, is an incredibly shocking and uh, must have had a shocking event on the Egyptians that the people went Kaseda into the water in the middle of a storm. Like crazy, that's crazy. So there's an education of Miyashem or whatever you know, Hashem is. So Rabbi Dan has taken this from a, a much more down to earth practical area that, that we can't expect God to do stuff for us. If we don't, if we don't initiate, if, if we don't try our best, a human being is expected to, to do, is expected to, to try their hardest. That's why we're here. That's why we have free choice. We, we have to do stuff 
And if we do, and we try our very best, and then we have faith in our Kodesh Baruch Hu as Hashem Ya'azor. And go to the Tivot Shalom, who comes from a different angle, and says the same thing. Why are you screaming at me? Speak to the people and journey. I don't understand, says the Hasidish already. What are we meant to do when we're stuck in the water? If not to scream out to our Kodesh Baruch That's what the Pasuk says, that I scream out to God from the straits. Right? From, from my terrible situation, I scream out to God. All of Yitzhia Mitzrayim began, was initiated by Amisel crying out to God. So what's wrong with Moshe crying out to God? What's wrong? What's, why is this different? We saw the Arachan HaKadosh. Was overwhelming. Rachamim wasn't able to overwhelm Din. It's not enough that they pray. They have to do. They have to show their faith. Okay, we saw that. Next paragraph. Sorry, Shatam Tefilati, Shehatfilot Mu'ukavot Midalot Lamala. He says, There are times, says the Tibot Shalom, where our Tefilot do not go to Shamayim. They just cannot, they cannot go to Shamayim. They cannot penetrate uh, the heavens. Uchmamara Katuv, Ekrai Yomam Velot Ta'aneh, Velayla Velot Umiyali, that I'm, I'm calling to God and He's not answering me. Day and night. There is something that is beyond tefillah, and that is belief, trusting God. That is beyond tefillah. That's not just words, that, that's real trusting God. When a Jew believes, but totally believes, that God will have rachamim on him, that trust in God is unstoppable. And he gives a he gives a story. There was an innkeeper came to came to the, the capital and he's sleeping outside in the streets. So the king's guards came, they saw him lying around like a tramp, and they want to beat him up, like, get out of the streets, you know, you're messing up our streets. And he says to them, Don't, don't dare touch me, because I'm a prince. I'm one of the king's family. Don't touch me, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. So these guards waited till the morning. And they took him to see the king. The king said, do I know you? Do you know me? No. He said, no, I don't know you. So how are you a prince? The king said, so you told them you're a prince. You don't know me, I don't know you. How are you a prince? So he says, I'm not a prince. I don't, I don't come from your household. I had trust in you that if I told them, or if I told you that I was from your house, that you would have rachamim. I just totally trusted that, I believed that you as a king would never do anything bad to me. And so the king had rachamim, amalahim amelech, for il ubi batach hemichulo. Kachamad David, so that's what David says in Tehillim, elokai batachti. God, I, I have faith in you. Alei Moshe, don't, don't let me down. Don't, don't shame me. I have faith in you. I, totally. This is, I'm just... Shlach lach mecha, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. I, I feel that God is bringing us to that situation right now. We can't do any more. How many more, how many more injections can we take? I mean, Rebono Shelodam. We have a vaccine every two months, every three months, and we're going to start drinking vaccine Coca-Cola. I mean, how much more can the world do? Uh, we have to, like, turn to our college pass and die. No, Save us. I mean, we can't, we're not in control. Right? It's out of control. It's out of control, right? It's out of control. And, uh, and 
we tried, and maybe we haven't learned the messages, but, but now, God, I, we need help, right? We, we, we can't do anything. There's nothing more that we can do. Uh, I trust in you, I don't let me down. I, I don't know what else to do. What else am I meant to do? He has a shita, if you, if you, if you had this chus to learn the Tivot Shalom on, on Megillah Esel, on Purim, he has a shita there, which is... Um, which, which is which is based on, on a pasuk uh, uh, when Mordechai says to Esther, I don't know who's learning that particular chapter, I hope some of you are joining uh, the program to read the Megillah with uh, Judith, she needs a few more people. Um, but, but Mordechai says to Esther that if you don't say the, Jew, the Jewish people, Revach Revach so the Tivot Shalom says, the Tivot Shalom says, what's Makom Acher? What's Revach Bahatsalam will come from Makom Acher? And the Tivot Shalom says there on the Megillah, he says, there's another place that we get salvation from. It's not nature, it's not what you're expecting. There's Revach Bahatsalam, Makom Acher. It comes from a place which is beyond human, human imagination. It's God. Revach Bahatsalam. So this is what he says there. The Chaymat Sinu Be'eseram Al-Kawi. Gonna get a Purim in our in our limbs. Think a bit about Purim. It's very soon Purim, just three months. Even though Esther was stuck in this palace with Tuma and, 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 and separated from her people, she brought the nace of Purim by doing stuff, by simply moving forward and, and taking a risk and walking to see the king. Even after the Dabney had been answered, after the Gezerah had not been ripped up, and we'd had Yemate Som and Yemate Tanit and Yemate Tefillah, and it didn't work, and Esther goes in to see the king, she just walks into Yamsil, she walks into the sea. That's what she does. The Ayyadeh says, Mshichai Tanais, and the Nais came because of that. Himshichai Tanais, Bidjulah Nefeshachayim says, right? She made the Nais happen by her, by her absolutely total faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. V'zeh shama HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Moshe, Matit Sakerai says in Tibor Shalom, that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, don't daven, please, don't daven now. Do Omnam Gulat Mitzrayim Haitai Lideh Nitzach El Hashem Elokei Avotei, even though the, the Yitziyah Mitzrayim happened because we prayed. HaKidrug shehalalu vahalalu ovdei avodah zarah achagula haita mikuach avtacha shehachoshbrach yedeh avamah We got rescued there because, because God had promised Avram that he was going to rescue us. Masha'enken hagilui hagadol shehokriyat yamsuf shehalam lo haita avtacha There was no promise to save us at yamsuf. We had no promise about that. Vuhu mikocham shehisa that has to come from us. You've got to jump in the water. Think about this, ladies. Think about the Jewish history. Many, many years ago, when my son Yitzchak, who is now 26, when he... I, I, I don't know why. I, I have one of my most favorite things is the Israeli flag. I, I know why, actually. Uh, I'm sure I've told you, but, but it's why I see an Israeli flag and I, I get very excited. They're all over the place in my house and in my room there's loads. Like Israeli flags, I love Israeli flags. And I, I asked him once, I asked him, I don't know why I asked him, because it's not, it's not in my nature to ask those kind of questions. And I said to him, what, what, does, what does the Israeli flag mean to you? What do you think it, it means? And uh, he said to me, now the two blue lines were we Yamsuf, and the Magin David is Am Yisrael walking through the two blue lines. That's not Pshat, but it's Emes. It's not Pshat, but it's Emes. There's no way that when Wolfson made the flag he even thought about that. He thought about Judaism, he thought about, he thought blue and white, the Talit, that's what he thought about, but, but it's Emes. It's Emes, so that is totally what Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael is about walking into Yamsuf. How many times have we done this in our, in our lifetimes? We've walked into Yamsuf, faced the impossible, declared a state when everyone thought we were going to be destroyed. How many times have we done this? Destroyed the Egyptian Air Force in 1967 when they were going to drive us into the sea and they had ships waiting in Haifa to evacuate the Jewish people from another holocaust. 
How many times have we done this as Jewish people in the last two millennia have we walked into Yamsuf? And when we've walked into Yamsuf, we've been able to evoke uh, a Yeshua in Shamayim, an incredible Yeshua in Shamayim. Why? Because of our belief. Because in Because if you believe, it won't be. And this isn't just true, ladies. It's not just true of, of a philosophy which we've been speaking about today. It should be our approach to life. That let's translate into he who dares, right? That, that we spend a lot of our lives... Have you ever thought about the question, why don't people fulfill their potential? No one fulfills their potential. No one does. Why? Because what comes after potential? What comes after you fulfill your potential? Let's say I've done everything I can do and I take a step too far. What happens? I fail. And everyone's scared of failure. So no one fulfills their potential because they're all scared of taking that extra step. And what if we take that extra step and it doesn't work? What's the big deal? At least you did it. At least you tried. I've always told my children that I don't, I don't care, and I really don't care. I don't care if you don't get an A, if you don't get an A+. Plus. I care if you don't try. I care if you don't try. You can do anything you want. If you push yourself to do it, if you make yourself do it, you, you walk into the sea, and you think of the impossible things. And how do I know? I just know it from my life experience. I know something else. I know that of all the people in this room, the least intelligent person in this room, it's not humility, I'll show you my report cards, the least intelligent person in this room is me. And I know what I've done, and I know if I can do it, then everyone in this room can do it too. I know that. When I walked into Yeshiva, there were 400 boys in Yeshiva. If we were to prioritize those 400 people, I was number 410 in the, in the order of priority of who could read and who could learn and who could try. I couldn't do a thing. I sat in Yeshiva for half a year learning the Darim. I didn't know what vowels were. I didn't know what I remember. I said every day, looking up a word, looking up a word, looking up a word. That same person 10 years later set Yeshiva, set, set, set exams in Israel with, with educated Israeli Yeshiva boys for the Rabbanon. And I'm just a regular Joe. So he who dares does it. You walk into something, I can't do it, you can't do it. You try and you push. Walk into the sea, the sea will split, ladies. It's not just the philosophical viewpoint of the Orachan, the Nefesh Achan, the Tibot, Shalom, Arab, Midah. There is a lesson here for all of mankind. It's to dare. To dare. What's the worst case scenario? You'll mess up? Okay, big deal. You're still better than anyone else. I asked this question once about Aaron. You know, we're, we're going to see it in a few weeks' time, right? That Aaron made the eagle. And you'll see in Rashi that why did Aaron make the eagle? Aaron made the eagle because he was trying to buy time. But, but uh, he thought that by the time we make the eagle, Moshe will come down from Shemaim and, uh, and, and they'll, they'll forget about this stupid idea. He was playing for time. So I had a question on this. My question was as follows. We have a rule in the, in the, in the Mishnah that says we only wear white on Kodesh the Kohen Gadol only wears white in the Kodesh HaKodeshin on Yom Kippur because he mustn't wear the gold clothes. Why? Because gold reminds God of the sin of Cheta Egel, right? The accuser can't become the defender. So Aaron only wears white. He only wears white in the Kodesh HaKodeshin because we're not going to remind God about Cheta Egel. So I had a kasha. But Aaron made the Egel. So surely Aaron walking into the Kodesh HaKodeshim on Yom Kippur is a great idea, right? Because he made the eagle. So if you don't wear gold when you go to Kodesh HaKodeshim, you don't wear gold because So why should Aaron walk into that? No. Because you understand that Aaron did something. He tried. He tried. So I changed the, that very famous statement of Tennyson, which is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all, to better to have tried and failed that never to have tried at all. The person who tries, ladies, you know who learned Hebrew this year? The people who don't mind making a fool of themselves. The people who are too scared to say a word in Hebrew because they think people are going to laugh, you'll never learn Hebrew in your life. Because you're too embarrassed to say it. But the people who just say sentences and the Israelis correct them and they giggle and da-da because their English is so good, right? But they, but they, but they, they you, won't, you won't ever learn Hebrew unless you're prepared to. You're prepared to go out there and do it. If you're not prepared to walk into the sea, it won't split. It won't split. God won't do it for you. He didn't send us down to earth to do it for us. So if you're not prepared to do it, it's not going to happen in anything you do in life. Every girl in this room, you can do anything you want to do. Anything you want to do. 
within the realms of human limitations. You can do anything you want to do, if you want to do it, if you dare, if you dare, if you walk into the water, the water will, I promise you it will. And there'll be times where you'll get a bit of seawater in your mouth, you'll go up your nostrils and you'll throw it up a bit. Okay, but you'll carry on walking. You'll fall down, you'll get up. You'll fall down, you'll get up. But you'll do it. If you want to do it, you can do it. It's such an incredible message. And, and, and the, the, the theological message is mind-blowing. That this is greater than tefillah, right? The deeds, the actions, if we're doing something. Because we can speak all the time, right? I gave an example earlier, which I'm not going to repeat now. But people who speak, it's so easy for, for someone to come. I can speak all of this to you, but then go do it, right? Go do it. Let's see you do it. And two different things is speaking and doing. Two different things. I think, I think half of Am Yisrael that's in Chutzaretz wants to live in Israel, but they don't. They don't, because they haven't done it. They want to. They really do want to. You see the love the people have for Israel on the Fifth Avenue on that parade. You see how much people love Israel. All types of people. But they don't do it. They, they speak it. They don't do it. Lots of people speak about doing stuff, but they don't do it. There are, what do you say, Hebrew, paka paka. They, people have lots, lots of things to say. Paka paka. Yeah, they're all talking about things, but the people who speak it's people who do. You want to be a doer. You want to be a doer. You want, because you want to fulfill and you want to achieve. That's why you came. You want to achieve. You want them to make films about you, ladies, not, not, not look at films about other people. That's what you want. Not because you're egoist, but you want to achieve. You came here for a short period of time. You want to do stuff. There's another lesson here as well. I have a final lesson here. Finally, it's that golden word where everyone looks up. Final lesson had nothing to do with whatever anyone has said so far. Hachad Yitzchak. Rav Yitzchak Okay? Rabbi Yitzchak Kutna, this is mind-blowing, okay? It's only going to open questions, which I can't answer. He has a totally different interpretation to anything we've said so far about Matit Sakelai. Okay? And, and he follows a very similar pattern that we spoke about last week in the Beis Halevi. Not related, but a, a similar pattern of, you'll, you'll see in a minute, it'll become clear. And um, it's actually disputable what he says, but it raises so many questions. So many questions. But, but listen to what he says. Again, we're going back to that question of, God says to Moshe, Martin Sakharai, why are you doubting? Do something. Okay? Now, so far, we have been going on the, on the pattern, on the idea that doing is better than praying. That's been the theme here, right? Stop speaking, do something. He has a very, very different take on this. Have a look. The Pachad Yitzchak, this is on Pesach. I think it's Mama Yudalet, I, I think. I, I, I forgot to write the source at the top. Mitoch inyana duyoma amadnu al chidush nifla. The Pachad Yitzchak we have to learn slowly, okay? Because he's, uh, he's, you're thinking, uh, there's 25 minutes to go, it's just a small source, we're out here early, we're getting out early today. Uh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> So we talk in Yana do Yoma Amanu Achidush Nifla Kiesha Shedafka Ripuyat Fila Yigrom Menia Lemilui Mishalot Halei. It could be that if you elaborate in your prayer, it will delay your prayers being answered. The Chazal Pirshu, in Chazal they said, the Ta'anat Mati Tzakelai Shenemala Moshe Alayam Hailulama Atama Arich Bitvila. That the interpretation of the words, that's what Rashi said, is why are you elaborating in your prayer? Why are you praying so much? The Maharal says that in the middle of tefillah he will not be answered. The Maharal says that while Moshe is praying, God will not answer him. So he was asked to finish his prayer so that God can answer him. This needs explanation. And the Maharal's words are, are not clear to us. What does the Maharal mean? Because surely if you let him finish his prayer, he's worthy of being answered. So why is the fact that he is davening, why is that holding up? Why is it holding up the whole process? Now, whether his answer is a shot in the Pasuk, I don't know, but his answer is a yesod. It's a yesod that we rarely consider. And it's a very different message. Our situation, our predicament on the yam, 
במדרש עוס זה קווסטיון, ולמה עשה הקדוש ברוך הוא להם כך, אלא שהיה הקדוש ברוך הוא מתהלן לתפילתם. במדרש says, and the midrash says this in a number of places, the Gemara says it, that God puts us in a situation because he wants to hear us pray. Because he wants to hear us pray. What is the Yesod we're about to see? Things happen so that we will pray. Not we pray so that things will happen. Uh, the opposite to what we've ever thought. Things happen in order to invoke prayer. Have a look. Amari Abishur ben Levi, the Mahadavar Domer. Abishur ben Levi says, To what can this be? Uh, to what can this be compared? Le Melech Shaya Babaderech to a king who was on his way. And there was this woman, this woman in trouble, and she screams out, Save me, Miyat Halistim, from the armed robbers that are attacking me. The king heard and he saved her. And after a while, he wants to marry her. The king wants to marry this, this woman. And they got used to each other, and he wanted her to desire him like she did on that occasion, but she never spoke to him like she did when she really needed him. So what did the king do? He paid armed robbers to attack her, so she would scream out for him, and he would hear her. I just wanted to hear your voice. This sheet in Chazal, it's not just here, this sheet in Chazal, I'm sure you've learned this before, comes up when, when the Gemara asks why the Imahot couldn't have children. Because they're all Sadiqod, and the Gemara says, God wanted their prayer. He wanted their prayer, and their prayer was the ends. We always look at prayer as a means, right? I pray in order to get something. The Pachadis are saying, no, prayer is the end. Something happens in order that I pray. God wants me to turn to Him. Now listen to the sentence, okay? This is a key sentence. You don't pray to get rid of the trouble. The trouble came in order that you would pray, in order that you would understand who to turn to, in order that you would know who, who, where you should be directing your cries. And the minute you understand that prayer is an end, so while Moshe is praying, nothing's going to happen because it's, it's, it's wonderful. Nothing's going to happen while Moshe is praying. Because if Yeshua happens now, the Tefillah will stop, but the Tefillah is the Ikah. That's an incredible club. That you suddenly understand there's a totally different facet to prayer. And this facet of prayer is, is just speaking to God, not because you want something, not because you need something, because you're speaking to God. Two stories I have for you. Many, many years ago, I was a Gabbai, still a Gabbai, in the Shul in Arashvul, and because there are people that, that volunteer for Magin David Adol, when things happen on a Friday night, you hear about them, right? They come up on their, on their uh, I don't know what they call the beepers, and they tell us, and we know. So there was a terrible, terrible, it must have been 20 years ago, there was a terrible uh, suicide bomber attack in Tel Aviv. And it was, um, they, they, a suicide bomber stood next to 30 Hebra outside a discotheque and blew himself up, killed 30 people on a Friday night. And I heard about it. And I went up to Rav Midan, the Rav Midan I quoted earlier, and I said to the Rav, you know, it's not our minhag to say, to, to scream out to God on Shabbos, but there's been a terrible terrorist attack and we need Rachamim and, and do, is it okay with the Rav that we say to Hidim in Shul? And his first response to me was, you're like the Israeli army. So my initial feeling was, wow, thanks. <laughs> and then I, I looked at his face and I saw that he, he was kind of grimacing. It wasn't, it wasn't like a compliment. So I kind of looked inquisitively and said, well, okay, so... Why am I like the Israeli army? At the time, what was happening was every time there was a terrorist attack, the next day 
the Israeli army would place itself where the, Israel, where the attack happened, which was pointless, right, because it already happened. And then he explained to me, he said, you know, people say to him after something happens. The point is to say to him before. The point is to say it before. The point is to show your love of God because you love God, not because you need something. If suddenly something's wrong, let's say to him. I have to tell you ladies that from the day he told me to this day, and I can't remember how long, I can look it up in Google, I can't remember how long ago this happened, I say to him every single day. Since he said that to me, I say to him every time, I finish to him once a week, I say to him every single day. Because he's right, right? It, 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 if, you, if you think to him is some kind of WhatsApp application that you press because someone's not well, uh, you miss the point. The, the, the prayer is a goal, it's not, it, it, it's not a means, it's an end. God wants us to pray. God, God wants Kesha, the Amisha have Kesha with Akhurish Prophet, not just because I need something. You know that in your life, right? Someone's not talking to you, someone's rude to you all the time, and then they see that you've got that special shampoo. That, that deals with your highlights in the best way possible. I, I, I can share it with you. But, uh, but, you know, that special shampoo which has that orangey taste and special, it's got this special beer in it, all this gashet. And they've got it, you can only get it from Afghanistan. And you've got it, and they want it, right? And they see it, and, you, and, and suddenly they're very nice to you. When it's so, it's totally so see-through, right? You see it straight away, and it's almost, it's almost insulting when someone comes to you, and you know they want something, that's why they're being nice to you. Uh, so, right? when someone turns around to our college prophets and says, you never pray to God at all, you never really have kabbalah, but someone's ill, so we're going to say to him, eh. why should that work? Why should that mean anything? And I just want to just want to bring you one other source for that. There is a Gemara at the beginning of Brachot, Brachot Tavdalev, and the Gemara says as follows, Kol ha'omer Anyone who says Ashrei three times a day gets Olam Haba. Now, if you're a child, right, and you learn the Gomorrah literally, you think, well, that's an easy way. I'll go have a cheeseburger, I'll go mess around all day, I'll say Ashrei three times a day, I get Olam Haba. It's like that. It's like that thing that they have in, uh, in the, in the uh, Hershey Park, you know, that, that Jewish ticket that you get, you get, you pay a little bit of extra money and you skip the line. You know what's called? That Chirul Hashem ticket? Like all the Jews get it and they, and they skip the line, all the going and stand there for three hours and the, the Jew walks right past and gets to the front of the line. You know what I'm talking about? What's it called? Fast pass. Fast pass. Fast pass. So I was in Hershey Park, no, I was in Six Flags once with my, with my wife and kids and my, my eldest, she, she loves going on that thing that makes you vomit, you know, that, that, that ride that you throw up on. What's it called? The, the roller coaster? Yeah, yeah. I told her, you want to be sick, I'll give you some food, you can throw it up. But she wanted to go on the roller coaster. she wanted to go again and again and again. There's this long line, and there's this yidl there, right? It's, just a, it's a great thing, I'll This yidl walking around, and he says, uh, he says no, I'm, I'm leaving now, do you want my fast pass? So I said, what's your fast pass? I just like, what's your fast pass? I like saying, what's your fast pass? He said, no, it means you can skip the line. But you feel so bad, right? It's, it's just like, create like anti-Semitism by skipping all these going, standing in line and walking there, or you, you chew with your girl in a skirt, walking past, and they go back out, you know, they go, they haven't even been once, you'll go for your sick, go, not me, I got her on and watched her go up and down, and never been from there, I sat on the teacup one, you know the teacup one that goes very slowly, that, I, and that was a bit shaky, that, I managed that, so, 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 People think that's what's fit. It's a fast pass, right? That's what I could do. So, so, so I can get to show. I say Ashrei three times a day, every day. That's fine. Then I'll do what I want, right? I can, I can, I can play Justin Bieber songs. I can watch Titanic. I, can, I don't know. I can do lots of things that that waste my time. But I'm saying Ashrei three times a day. And I get to Allah Mabba. That's not what the Gemara means. That's not what the Gemara means. So what does the Gemara mean? So there's a perush on that Gemara called the Hakotev, he's in Eniakob, and he writes as follows, what is, what is significant about Ashrei that isn't in the regular Amida? And if you think about it, it won't take you long, but you're, if you sat down and looked, you would see that in the Amida, we don't stop asking for stuff. Hashiveinu, Slachlanu, Shmakoleinu, we're asking, 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 asking. There's not one Bakasha in Ashrei. There's not one Bakasha in Ashri. Ashri is just praise of God. So the Kotev says, I don't know who he is, the Kotev, but he says as follows, what does the Gemara mean in Brachas? The Gemara in Brachas means, if you pray to God every day because you want to pray to God, not because you need something or want something or you need a favor, do me this, do me that, but because you want to pray to God, because you want Kesha with God, because you understand that Tefillah is an ends and not a means, then you're a Ben Olam 
If you see God as an address to go to, and it's not a bad thing, by the way, if you see God as an address to go to in a time of need, that's not bad, but that's not, that's not a yachas, that's not avat Hashem. Avat Hashem, what we're aiming for, is that we pray to God because we want to pray to God. Not because I need something, not because someone chas v'chadila is ill and everyone's praying for them. That's, that needs to be done as well. But because I want to pray to God, I pray to God because I want to pray to God. And this is a yisur in the pachad Yitzchak. This isn't a time for davening. I can't do anything when you're davening because davening is, is, a, is a climax. And if you're davening, I'm not going to do anything because I just want to hear you daven. I just want to hear you daven so I'm not going to do anything. But, but listen to that cloud that he says. Things happen so that we will daven. We don't daven so that things will happen. It's, it's in your sod, ladies. It's, it's, an incredible, it's an incredible statement. To be able to look at tefillah in that way, that tefillah is an end, it's not a means. Uh, I, I don't think we've heard this very often. Uh, you've probably done the Gemara about, about the imahot. But it's a difficult Gemara, right? That things happen in order that we pray. Because that's not always our automatic reaction. So we've seen, we've seen some incredible yasodot today in this incredible parsha. Uh, this parsha of Shira. Uh, that first of all, this cloud that... that, that that if we want to invoke Racha, I mean, we have to do. That, that we have to put our, our money where our mouth is. That's what they say, right? You have to, you have to do what you believe. And this is sort in the Pachat Yitzchak, um, which is that the prayer is uh, is an end. It's not a means. And and uh, we should reach that that Madriga that we can we can pray uh, in order to pray. That's all. Just to pray. Just to enjoy pray for the sake of pray. Okay. So this is show.